Welcome to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. To learn more about hope and our weekend worship opportunities, visit hopechurchmemphis.com. Today's message comes from community engagement pastor Chad Johnson. And we are in the middle. We're technically the second week of a series called In Training, where we're recognizing the divine in discipline. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't always think discipline is divine. <clears throat> now, if you missed it last week, though, Pastor did a really good job, Pastor Rufus, uh, in sharing and helping us understand that, that we too often think discipline is punishment, right? I mean, it may, it may include that, but we only think that sometimes. And some of you guys may remember uh, me telling these kind of stories. I ran for uh, 15 years competitively, right? And there used to be the shirt that I, I wish I would have bought. I never purchased. I never did. And I'm sure it's still around there. But it says this. And as a runner, I love this shirt. It says, my sport is your sport's punishment, right? And it's true, right? Think about it. If you've played any sport or watched TV and you've seen this example and it wasn't track or cross country, it was not uncommon for you to hear, take a lap, especially when you did something to get you in trouble, right? I mean, now you, 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 don't, you, you did deserve it. It might be some form of punishment, right? You might not be doing the play right or you might uh, have come into practice late or you might just be jack-legging off to the side and he'd say, take a lap. Well, it was still physically conditioning you, whether it was punishment or not. There was still a purpose to it for the athletes. And in the same way, what we often think about as punishment in our lives, such as trials or challenges in our lives, may simply be a means in which God is actually conditioning us for something bigger and better. You see, Rufus also reminded us that in the Greek, discipline also means child training. Right? And I would even add this illustration. You can't spell discipline without disciple. Now, technically you can because without the E, but you get my point. Disciple is in discipline, right? And a disciple, that which is a student of anything, but particularly of Christ, in discipline includes teaching, coaching, leading, rebuking, correcting, not just punishment. So in divine discipline, any challenges or trials that we may be going through can include some of the things that we mentioned, but it's not always just punishment, right? And even if it were punishment, it is not, and I have to repeat this, it is not a penalty without a benefit. God's discipline is always discipling us toward him. We can trust the discipline when we can trust the coach, when we can trust our God. And so the rest of this message is going to be showing us how when we trust God in this manner, that it's not only going to help us, but those around us. Now, I best relate to this through the lens of running, as I've already shared. And why not, right? The title is called In Training. So I'll have some of those stories as we go through this illustration. And I would often get people asking me when I ran for competitively for 15 years, why do you love running? And I have corrected them and I still correct them to this day. I don't love running, I like winning. And in order for me to win, I have to run, right? There's a purpose here. You see, many of us in our lives or around us, we're looking to win this race called life without any effort, without even trying, without training, and even worse, without a coach. We want to do it on our own. But our, our text for the series reminds us that we're not on our own. We can't do this by just sitting on the couch. And even more so, that we have a coach 
and we have a team to do it with. We are children of God for a purpose. But will we listen to the words that he shares? In Hebrews 12, 5 through 14, read along with me. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up what he corrects you, when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as, as he does all his children, it means that you're illegitimate and you're not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who discipline us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our, spirit, of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers discipline us for a few years, doing the best that they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. There's that purpose. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak, there's that team, and lame around you will not fall but become strong. So what do we do with this text? We see that God's discipline is committing us to actually training. It's pushing us toward his holiness. And in fact, as it does, it pushes us to help others around us. It's a form of training that may not be enjoyable at times, but it is purposeful. Can we trust it? Which leads us to our first point. In that text, we see this. I train at the prompting and instructions of the coach. See, a coach doesn't just coach to make someone's life miserable unless they're just horrible at it. They're coaching toward a purpose, a race, or a game. There is an end game in mind in divine discipline. I've had several coaches over the years. Did I always love what the coaches put me through? No, absolutely not. Did it hurt? Yes, a lot of times. Did I throw up? Yes, a lot of times. But why did I keep doing it? Why did the coach keep pushing me, trying me in these ways? Because he was committed to me and I was committed to him and his team. I trusted the coach and I knew he had an end in mind. It's like the words in Hebrews 5, 12 through 14. It says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles or the truths of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. You see that discipline, that constant practice is what allows us to see good and evil in this world, to train us up. It was the training of constant practice in the coach's discipline that I grew mature in the race, right? And it's also the training of the constant practice in God's divine discipline that we grow mature in this race of life. <clears throat> now, we, we need to be taught up with the truths of God, right? Consistently in this divine discipline, God is teaching us when he disciplines. 
to grow in maturity. His discipline reminds us of his truths. You ever seen a uh, young child who, um, a toddler or so, they get new shoes, right? And they, they may come up to you and they say, look at, look at my fast shoes, right? You ever seen that before? And they may run over here like really fast, run over here really fast, maybe do circles around you. You ever seen that before? Am I, or am I the only one? Okay, good. I was just making sure. Now, normally we see that and we're like, oh, how cute. Yeah, those are super fast. Good job. And so we appease them, right? But we know it's not the shoes that do that, but we still cheer them on. Now, we all know it is the discipline and training of, of constant practice that helps the toddler actually grow into a fast, mature runner. But when we try to run this race without recognizing there's a God training us toward him, we're like that toddler putting those shoes on and saying, look how fast I can run. And the world just cheers us on. You see, God's discipline trains us up. We need him. We need the way he teaches us. And we will eventually find out if it's the shoes or the training. Because our second point is this, I train lest I be ashamed on race day. You see, when, when is race day for most of the Jesus followers? Most would say it's probably judgment day, right? They may be thinking of 1 Corinthians 3, 13. It says, each one's work will become clear for the judgment day will, be, will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. There will be a day, guys, in which we will see if what we built in this world is of eternal value or fading away. But I would also argue that we don't have to wait until judgment day, right? Our day-to-day -day training pulls us along in each battle, in each trial, in each circumstance when we trust his discipline and trust the coach. The, dis the discipline that God places in our lives is training us to shed off the weight of our sin and put on the burden of strength that we know is in Christ Jesus. See, I love these quotes by the legend Cassius Clay, who we affectionately call Ali. He said, the fight is won or lost far away from the witnesses, behind the lines, in the gym, and out there on the road, long before I dance under those lights. Now, I didn't say it as poetically as he did, but you get the idea. It wasn't the, the battle under the lights where he won. He won by consistently training day in and day out. He goes on to say, I hated every minute of it, of the training. But I told myself, don't quit. Suffer now and live the rest of your life as a champion. That's our encouragement when we take on discipline in these challenges in this world. Suffer now and we'll see that our life has value in it. Working towards God. It almost kind of sounds similar to uh, the words that Paul gave a young minister named Timothy in 2 Timothy 4.2. It says, be ready in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and teaching. Every day, be consistent. Now, when I was training in high school, my coach would often have one of these things called long, easy run days, right? And uh, y'all may not think this was easy, but we would run five to eight miles, just chill, right? We'd go out. Well, uh, all of us, my, myself included, really loved these days, but not because it was easy, we had another name that we would call them. We call it the DQ Dash days. 
You see, right around the corner, about a mile, a mile and a half away, there was a Dairy Queen, all right? <laughs> and we would take the whole guy's team, run down to Dairy Queen, and grab some ice cream. Maybe, maybe drink some soda if we were feeling really fancy, get some uh, chili cheese fries, and kick back for a little while. And we'd be timing how long it would typically take us to run five or eight miles, and then we'd go, all right, guys, it's time to go. Now, I don't know if our coach knew that we did this or not, but I can guarantee you some of us smelt like vanilla, chocolate, and strawberries, all right? But listen, we didn't do the workout. And for all I know, my coach never said anything, but we probably made a fool of ourselves running in thinking that we had done something. But on race day, we would all get exposed. On race day, we knew we didn't put the work in like all the other teams did, right? And it showed as we came across the finish line. You could see who actually received and put into practice the proper discipline given to them by their coach. As Christians, our day-to-day faith can often show if we're weathering divine discipline in our lives. If we try to ignore it or try to get away from it or find shortcuts through it, we find ourselves exposed and not ready to take on the challenges ahead. You see, God's divine discipline is preparing us for the unknown before us. But most of all, for him, toward his holiness. But I trained for another reason. I trained to help the team. Now on my team, even though that we were having fun and doing those DQ dashes, they weren't actually helping the team, they were weakening the team, including myself. They weren't making us stronger. And I needed to realize that my strength and training directly affected my team. Now, I wasn't running for myself. I had someone else running and needing me to run well. Now, in track, it's a little different, right? You've got field events and track events and those kind of things. And I was excellent at distance running categories. But if you saw me line up against the shot putters and the discus guys, you'd start laughing because you wouldn't know if I was the guy throwing and the one being thrown. Like, that's the drastic difference here. They could have launched me. But if you would have also probably laughed if they lined up, those same individuals, on the two-mile starting line, right? We needed each other to score points for the team to win, but we didn't do the same events. You see, as Jesus followers, we're a team, a family. Now, I might not ask one of you guys to come up here and preach tonight, maybe Isabella, because she did a fantastic job, but you guys might do fine well as well. But each of you play a role on this team week to week, day to day, as we do life together as we endure divine discipline together as God calls us forward. Now, some of you are excellent at encouraging, right? Many of you have gone out of your way to encourage me. And I look forward to every weekend with you all because your presence and spirit lift me up. Why? Because I'm here for you and you're here for me. We are a team. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10 and 12 tells us, two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But if someone who falls alone is in real trouble, three are even better for a triple braided cord that is not easily broken. It's, it, it's, it was very common in long distance races for you to start feeling fatigue and basically sometimes even go, what in the world am I doing, right? Should I quit? So in these races, if I caught up to a teammate or they caught up to me and they could tell the other one was struggling, 
Just a simple phrase, let's go. Just a simple phrase of encouragement reminded the other that we were in this race together. It wasn't just us by ourselves. Even along the race courses, maybe people weren't running. If they found the perfect spot to cheer on runners when it was quiet, it made the world of a difference for these runners because no one else was cheering for them, but they were right then, right there. It mattered as a team. When we are in divine discipline or in a trial that might be training us up to have a team like you guys, the church, simply say, hey, let's go, let's do this, reminds the other that they're counting on them, that we're all in this together. Cheering one another on is something that we should be better at than any other team in the world. Why? Because we have an excellent coach who uses divine discipline and training to push us forward and making a divine team that he continues to redeem and recruit. We have an excellent team. All right. Now, as I come down the stretch, pun intended, of this message, I want to make sure I reach some of you guys that may be asking this question. I don't know whether or not I call uh, God my coach. I don't know where I stand really in this discipline thing. It still feels like punishment to me. So let me speak to you if you're wondering how you are doing with this spiritual training plan known as God's discipline. Where do we begin? Well, as the divine father has a goal for us, we too must have a goal in mind. Paul reminds Timothy in this in 2 Timothy 2.15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. You see, I have the joy of helping coach my son's cross-country team. He's nine, he's in third grade. And it's funny because when we go to these races, you see some of these kids will run their little hearts out for the first 200 meters and then tie off completely, right? Now, when this happens, did they not try their hardest? No, of course they did. They just put it all in the first 200 meters, right? Did they give up? No, of course not. They kept running. It might not have been as fast as they wanted to, but they kept it up. Am I on the sideline saying, boo, get off the course? No, they ran out of gas. They gave all that they had. These kids are still learning. They wanted to run the whole race without building the goals to get there. Do your best each step of the way. Start with running a race uh, 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 by walking at first, without walking, I should say. Walk, then move to running and see if you can do it without walking. Then pace yourself from the beginning to the end. And then set another goal. Place higher in the position or run faster. See, when we come to Jesus, it doesn't mean that in that moment right there that we have figured everything out. That is like that kid starting the race and dying in the first 200 meters. Our life, God is constantly coaching us until he calls us home. Let God coach you in his divine discipline as you give the best you can with each new step that you try towards him on your good days and on your bad days. So who do you want to be as a Jesus follower? The simple goal. What goals do you want to use to get there? Now next, don't be afraid to train with others. Proverbs 17, 17 reminds us, friends love through all kinds of weather and families stick together in all kinds of trouble. I literally wouldn't be standing here today, right in front of you, if it weren't for two teammates in a family that didn't want me to train alone. 
And my faith would not be what it is today if it weren't for a church in my hometown that reminded me that I was more than my circumstance, that they were alongside me. Doing this life alone was never the plan. So find people to run toward God with. Don't do it by yourself. Thirdly, be consistent. Proverbs 16.3, commit to the Lord whatever you do and he will establish your plans. Like I said earlier, I get the chance to run with my son at practice from time to time. He trains three or four times a week, and of course, as a kid, he's running all the time. Me, I might make it two, maybe three times if I'm lucky on a good week. So when we have the days in which we're doing 400-meter repeats at their race pace, not mine, at their race pace, the old man in me starts coming out, right? My knees, my back, maybe what I ate for lunch that day. (laughs) It's not pretty. Right? I'm trying not to embarrass myself, but most of all, my son. Now, here's, here's my point, though. If I'm inconsistent in training, it's going to be harder to be in shape. Right? And, and I can't be ready in and out of season if I'm inconsistent. Some days, God's discipline does feel more like punishment than training. But if I am daily pursuing my goals in him and with his people, this life becomes a little bit easier to bear. So lastly, and probably the most important, spend some time with the coach. Hebrews 12, 9. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? Or said another way, in the words of James, James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. You know, some of us have probably had some truly bad coaches, mentors in our life perhaps, and some maybe really good ones, but none of them compare to our divine father as our coach. He's not just a great coach at this race of life. He created life, right? He knows how it's supposed to be run, how to excel in it, how to enjoy the race, he, how not to get entangled in the things that get in our way and how we can celebrate and cheer one another on in it. So some of you, after hearing this, may have found yourselves thinking, hey, I don't have a coach. I'm doing this life kind of by myself. Feeling like there is no purpose to this race. So let me ask you, have you given God a chance? He doesn't just coach from the sidelines. He he comes in the form of Christ to run alongside you in this race. But he is much more than just any running analogy, right? He is the one that covers our sin and our weaknesses and makes us whole and beautiful to his Father. Much like this clip. Check this out. God draws alongside us. And he takes our ordinary stuff and he turns it into something beautiful. And he doesn't do it instead of us. He tells us to keep going and he works with us. In the mid-19th century, the British aristocrat Lord Radstock was staying in a hotel in Norway. One evening, he heard the sound of a piano being played horribly in the hallway downstairs. He looked and saw a little girl who was making the most terrible noise. He was normally a patient man but slowly the continuous racket began to drive him mad. As he watched, a man approached and sat down beside her. Rather than stop the little girl's efforts, the man began to play, constructing chords alongside her. 
With each keystroke, his playing complemented her notes, and suddenly a breathtaking sound filled the whole hotel. He took her mistakes and discord and turned it into something utterly beautiful. As Lord Radstock later found out, the man playing alongside the girl was her father, the famous 19th-century Russian composer, Alexander Borodin. In God, we don't just have someone yelling at us, pushing us, and purposely making everything harder on us. We have a God who cheers us on, who pulls us toward him, and has a purpose in his discipline. You can have him as your coach. You can be a part of the team. You can have him as your father, and this church can be your family. The work's already been done. We don't have to do any more. Because on the cross, Jesus did everything that needed to happen for you and me to be on this team. And if that's something that we desire, what we, what we do, it's not anything particularly magical, but it is beautiful. You simply pray to yourself and to him, saying something as simple as, Jesus, if you're real, come into my life. Or you can say something more like this, God, I'm not perfect, but I believe you might be. And I believe your Jesus, your son, died for me. And I'll commit all that I know about myself to all that I know about you for the rest of my life. Let's pray. God, it is hard for us to look at this world and see the challenges and the trials and not feel like we're being punished or that we have been caught in the crosshairs of something terribly wrong. So God, I pray now that you reach into our hearts and remind us that you haven't forgotten us, that you are pulling us toward you, even in our bad days. But God, if we don't know you, may we find the courage to just simply ask you into our lives. Say, if you're real, please come into my life. Please give me your son who is able to take away all my sins. And I'll do all that I can to follow you. Thank you for this team called your church. And thank you for adopting us into this family by your son. We love you. We praise you. And I pray. To the Hope Church Memphis podcast, I'm Daniel Openeisen, musical worship director. If you were encouraged by today's message, hit subscribe wherever you stream your podcast. To experience previous messages, videos, and our live worship service, visit our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram.